I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis. We're going to look at some fundamentals of our faith today. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 10, and then Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took, his, uh, took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possession that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. At, the time, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. This this is the word of the Lord. I don't know that I have ever met anyone who did not want to succeed. And even though I have met individuals whose desire to succeed varied, Still, I have not met anyone who did not want to make something of their life. Some people are able to succeed because of chance or lucky circumstances. It's not that they're marked with some unique ability or outstanding characteristic, but they just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And maybe that's happened to you. Well, this was not true of the greatness of Abraham. When we turn over to Genesis chapter 22, we see that a period of 40 years has transpired from what we saw in Genesis chapter 12. And even though we see in Abraham an immense amount of faith displayed and exhibited, a far greater faith is seen in these two verses in Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham and he said here am I 
He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Forty years has transpired. And we see a far greater faith in this man, Abraham, than what we saw 40 years earlier. To be sure, Abraham was the product of an advanced civilization. Archaeologists estimate that the Ur of the Chaldees from whence Abraham came was a territory of advanced civilization. They estimate it had a population of nearly a quarter of a million people. But the question comes to mind, who was this man Abraham that God would have chosen him to be the father of our faith? He was not of royal birth. He was not a man representative of the noble class in his society. As far as we know, he was not even numbered among the prestigious social elite of the Ur of the Chaldees. The fact is, Abraham was like most of us, just an ordinary person. His initiation into greatness, his, his introduction into a life of fame was not the result of chance or lucky circumstances. It was not the result of some ability <clears throat> that he possessed that others didn't possess. It was the result of his faith. And folks, the thing that excites me the most this morning as I think about the life of Abraham and how God used him is the fact that almost without exception, every person here this morning has the potential of being used by God the way Abraham was used. For you see, it was not his ability that made him great, it was his availability. God called him, and he obeyed. I'm convinced that if it had not been for that obedience on the part of Abraham, when God called him, the chances are great that you and I would not know that a man by the name of Abraham of the Earl of the Chaldees ever lived at all. The faith of Abraham proved to be his greatest asset. As we study the life of Abraham, we learn that first of all, faith begins in commitment. Now, some would argue the chicken or the egg here. Faith begins in commitment or commitment uh, follows faith or, or whatever. But I want you to, to see with me this morning that faith for Abraham begins in his commitment to God. Abraham's experience of faith began when he committed himself to God's summons. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go. And then in verse 4, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. The writer of the book of Hebrews, centuries later, writing about the faith of this man, penned these words. He said, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was to go. Actually, I'm convinced this morning that that statement does not strike us with the impact that perhaps it should. And he went out not knowing where he was to go. We are a mobile society, are we not? We're constantly on the move. The fact is, one out of every three families in America moves every year. We are a mobile society, so when we hear that God said to some 
man get up and go someplace else, it doesn't strike us with the impact that it should. The fact is that in the days of Abraham, the people were an inseparable part of a family clan. The only people who in Abraham's day cut ties with their father's house were outcasts and criminals. So what God is asking Abraham to do is something highly unusual for people of his day. Facetiously, I want you to imagine with me what it must have been like for Abraham having had this great spiritual encounter. I can see Abraham, he comes into the tent that evening having had this encounter with God and Sarah's there busily preparing the meal to be placed on the evening table and he walks up to her and he puts his arm around her and he gives her an affectionate peck on the cheek and she says, okay, what have you done now? I can see Abraham as he says to her, honey, after supper I want you to begin packing because we're going to move. I can see Sarah as she begins to turned toward Abraham and she asked him well what brought this on Abraham says well uh, uh, it's sort of hard to explain but you see I met God today and he said to pack up and move by this time Sarah's squarely facing Abraham perhaps with her hands on her hips as she says to him you met God huh and he said pack up and move okay where did he say we were going I can Imagine Abraham as he begins to realize what he's saying to his wife as he says to her, well, I sort of wish he hadn't asked me that because he didn't say, he just said pack up and move. Well, in that facetious sort of way, maybe it is you can come to grips with what it is that's being asked of Abraham. He's responded to a God he had never met. He's responding to a command that was out of the ordinary for people of his day. And he has no idea where he's to go. When Abraham gave up his place in his father's household, he was forfeiting his security. He was putting his survival, his identity, his future, and his security in the hands of God. Faith for Abraham began when he said yes to God. And faith for us begins in that initial encounter with God. Abraham's step of faith was mighty, and I want to suggest to you this morning that it is no less mighty today. Commitment means that one joins his or her life to God, and from that moment on, that which matters most is the Lord and His will for your life. Unfortunately, it's at this point that many Christians miss out. When you and I become Christians, we no, we no longer have the right to take our life and to do with it as we wish. It's up to God to say. That act of commitment means that one becomes joined to the Lord and we surrender our life to Him. Thus, faith begins in commitment. I would have you to notice, secondly, that faith develops through use. Through use. Abraham's faith was not a static experience. It was a growing, expanding relationship with God. The faith that we see in Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, as we've already observed some 40 years later from that initial encounter with God, was a much stronger, a more vibrant faith than what we saw uh, initially. 
In Genesis chapter 12, God came to Abraham and he said, leave your own country behind you and your own people and go to the land that I will guide you to. And if you do, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous and you will be a blessing to many others. The entire world will be blessed because of you. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's not a bad deal. Look at the same man, as we've said, 40 years later. His son Isaac, probably a teenager at this point. However, some would argue a different age, but you know, it really doesn't matter what age he is. He's being taken to Mount Moriah, to the top of the mountain, to be offered as a human sacrifice because God instructed Abraham to do so. Now, Abraham is aware that that young boy is the fulfillment of God's promise, I will make of you a great nation, and yet without batting an eye, he takes the boy to the top of the mountain, he builds the altar, he stretches the lad out on the altar, takes a dagger in hand, and is probably in the downward plunge when God, through the angel, cries out, Now, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. I want you to notice something grammatically interesting, at least grammatically interesting to me. The scripture says, God says to Abraham through the angel, for now I know that you fear God. Do you believe that God did not know what Abraham was going to do? My friends, I believe God knew exactly what Abraham was going to do. That was not to teach God what Abraham was going to do. That was to teach Abraham what Abraham was going to do. Without a doubt, I believe this experience in the life of Abraham strengthened his faith in God more than any other thing that he could have possibly done. I'm convinced that this is why some of the trying things come our way to show us just how much we need to depend upon God. The faith on Moriah was a much more mature faith than the faith seen in Haran. But the question comes, why? Why did his faith grow the way it did? Why is it that we see in some of our churches, and I'm sure this church is no exception, why do we see some individuals who have grown in, in the Lord perhaps head and shoulders above any and many others? Well, I believe the answer is found through use. In worship, commitment, obedience, and patience. Through use. And we're going to be very brief with each one. The Bible says that wherever Abraham went, and there are two examples in that, those first few verses that we read, and the Bible says wherever he went, he either built an altar or he set up an altar that had been previously built. In other words, he worshiped God purposefully. There was one exception when he went down into Egypt, running from the famine, and he got himself into trouble. 
He didn't worship God. Now, I'm not taking a simplistic approach to truth, but I believe a person walks on exceedingly thin ice when they separate themselves from the place and practice of worship. Abraham's faith grew because he nurtured it through worship. His faith grew because he nurtured it through commitment. Abraham's attitude was, Lord, here I am. I'll do what you want me to do. His faith grew because he nurtured it through obedience. J.P. Driscoll of Mid-City Baptist Church in New Orleans, Louisiana, years ago had a billboard-sized placard put up. I happened to see that placard when I was a student at New Orleans Seminary. And on that placard, billboard-sized placard, he had put the words, God said it, that settles it. Excuse me, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, I think somebody came along with an even better expression. God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. This kind of obedience was the mark of Abraham's faith and why it grew. In addition, the developed faith produces patience. When Abraham was immature in faith, he had the bad habit of getting ahead of God, but as his faith matured, he was more willing to wait on the Lord to work things out in his own way and in his own time. But are we any different than that? How many of us have been guilty of finding and being confronted with a problem, an issue that overwhelms us to the point that we know we cannot handle it in our own strength, and so we turn to God and we perhaps bow our heads or close our eyes or kneel before Him and we pray, Lord, this is one I can't handle on my own, and I'm going to turn it over to You. And then we open our eyes, and one of the first things we do is start worrying about the problem. Abraham's faith grew because he nurtured it through worship and commitment and obedience and patience, through use. Well, notice third and finally, faith results in giving. And by that, I I don't just mean giving financially. Certainly, that's a part of it. But first of all, Abraham gave in. When he returned from Egypt, he and his nephew Lot found themselves confronted with a tremendous problem. They were both extremely wealthy, having tremendous herds of cattle and sheep and other animals. And it was sort of like the Old West. Uh, uh, Abraham recognized this place is not big enough for both of us. And so we need to separate. We need to go different directions. And even though God had promised Abraham that land, he says to Lot, Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot, showing the selfish person that he was, chose the Jordan River Valley, where there was plenty of water and green pastures and semi-civilized communities. Sodom and Gomorrah were there. Lot chose the best, and Abraham, because of his faith, was willing to give in to Lot. Secondly, Abraham had the faith to give out. When he came back from a war, he met the king of Salem. 
The Bible calls him Melchizedek and says he was the priest of the Most High God. Now, some theologians believe this to be a theophany, Christ in the form of this man. And out of gratitude to the Lord for the victory, Abraham gave a tenth of everything to the priest of the Most High God. He was willing to give out from that which God had bountifully given him because of his faith. And then finally, Abraham had the faith to give up. We've already seen the account. He takes his son to the top of Mount Moriah, ready to give up his son in obedience to God, and God intervenes. Faith results in giving, my friends. Abraham was willing to give in and to give out and to give up because he had first given himself to God, and that is the secret. Wilbur Chapman was once talking to General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Dr. Chapman asked General Booth the secret of his great Christian life, and General Booth responded, I have never considered myself a great Christian, but if I am of any worth in the Lord's service, this is the secret. God has all of me there was to have. In writing to the Corinthians, Paul referred to the generosity of the Macedonians. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favoring part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected. Now what do we have here? What's Paul talking about? Here is a church of people who are not only giving what is expected of them to give, but they're giving over and above what is expected of their own free will. Nobody has to get them to sign a pledge card or has to beg them to do it. They do it of their own free will. And Paul says even coming to the leadership of the church, begging for opportunities to serve. Can you imagine a church filled with people like that? Paul says that we didn't expect that. And then he gives the secret. But first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. When one has committed himself or herself to God, he or she has no problem with giving because everything one has belongs to God. But too many people have the attitude of the person in a little poem I came across a number of years ago entitled Giving. It goes like this. What? Giving again, I ask in dismay. And must I keep giving and giving away? Oh no, said the angel, piercing me through, just until God stops giving to you. Abraham was a tremendous man, mighty in faith. His greatness was not because he had such outstanding characteristics or that he was a man marked with unusual or unique ability. His greatness was because of his faith. And folks, let me say to you this morning, not something that you don't already know, God has not gotten out of the business of calling people to a life of service. My question this morning for you is, have you answered his call in your life? I remind you, it's not just your ability that God wants, it's your availability as well. Are you willing to make yourself available?
to him today.